We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And this is the beginning of a three-part series that we are very excited about. And Patrick especially so. Yesterday he was damn near giddy talking about this series on the air. <laughs> I'm, I'm really jacked. This is, this is cool. We've wanted to do kind of some projects like this. I have other ideas down the future, whether it be women in beer or other things like that, uh, that kind of have multi-facet episodes that let us kind of <clears throat> touch all sides of each part of the topic. So what we're doing is we're going to do a couple of weeks of uh, talking about distribution from and bringing in different people every single week who do different roles and work at different types of companies and distribution. And today we are joined in the entire podcast. We're not just doing an interview segment with him. Is Shane Nisbet. Did I say that right? You did. Nice. Uh, from Point Blank Distribution. And as I said off the air, I want to say Point Break Distribution <laughs> <laughs> really badly for some reason. Um, but so Shane, what we're going to do is we're going to just do our weekend beer, which is what we normally do. You can tell us all the beer you've been drinking this week oh, as sure. he pours. I have sparkling water. Just a oh, is that sparkling clean, water? Clean off the. Uh, <laughs> You're not just pouring vodka straight into no. that glass right there. <laughs> you guys can have some too if you like. Uh, um, so we'll we'll talk about our weekend beer and then we'll just dive right into the interview and then we'll do beer of the week, which apparently you have for us. Oh yeah, I've got. I brought all sorts of beers. It's kind of my job. Um, I was texting with him about trying to set this up, and Shane was like, you guys need to drink more beer on this podcast. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to that. I mean, I, I I don't want to say no, but I also normally work right after recording the podcast, so I can't get loaded. But and today then, we're good. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, you just got to sit in a booth. You're fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. Oh, that's uh, right. There's a game tonight. Huh? Yeah. Push yeah. buttons. I got to push buttons from three until... Nine. Death. So you can bring the treat. Yeah, you can drink the treats I brought you. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it makes it even better because I was like, should I bring beer in tonight? I was like, yeah. Oh, that's right. Shane's bringing beer. Like, right. Yes. Okay, perfect. It's a good thing our bosses don't listen to this podcast. Right. Well, if they did, they'd probably just be like, can I have some? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hopefully. You, they would tell you you probably don't drink enough. And <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. They want us to sound way more slosh talking than we normally do on like our tasting room episodes. I feel like by the end of that, I'm like, huh. Yeah, we get to beer of the week and it's like, derp, this beer's good. Derp, yeah. derp. I've already had five. I don't know what this one is, but okay. Uh, so you can find this podcast all over the place. We are on radio.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Omni, uh, and on 1080thefan.com. You can find our social media, Instagram.com slash beers on us. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. Do you have one you want to pub? I am at Kangra- Keg Wrangler. Keg Wrangler on Instagram. Yeah. So that's See, where you can find Shane. Instagram is life for beer. I know. I've been enjoying looking at the pictures when using our, our Instagram. Thank you. Um, when using our Instagram, I, you followed all these breweries and people, and I just enjoy looking at the pictures that they all share. So uh, that's where you can find us. We post pictures about the podcast. We post pictures about what we're drinking just during the week. Um, and yeah, so before we get into the, the interview portion of this, we can beer. I, I didn't do things that were too crazy. I did go out of Breakside mm-hmm. on Saturday with a buddy. He had yet to go there and I brought him there had a couple of fresh hop beers um I had the near pert crux fresh hop in my fridge that I had yet to drink I had that one and enjoyed it again we had that on the, f- the first fresh hop podcast that band's overrated and uh <laughs> no they're not <laughs> I think they are <laughs> no, big they're time. not <laughs> sorry <laughs> I love so Rush I, <laughs> I love Rush come Rush on fantastic and then, uh, interestingly enough, my wife bought a uh, Deschutes box, and they had a brand new IPA I had not had in there called a Hand Up IPA, I think it is. Mm. Solid. Solid IPA. Tickle me intrigued. It was, uh, they had a Fresh Squeezed, Black Butte, Obsidian Stout, and then Hand Up or Hand Off, I forget the name of it, brand new IPA that they'd made. So that's what I've got in the fridge right now. That was my week in beer. Nothing over the top, just a nice, nice simple week. Yeah, I am transitioning into the bar manager at Slab Town, so I'm there full-time now, so that's kind of dominated my life. Hooray, yay, yay. I'm pretty excited about it. It's pretty rad. That place is quite a beast, I learned. Um, I went down four lines of beers on Sunday because I didn't order enough beer. 
um, which fortunately no one was mad at me. They were like, it's okay. You'll be all right. You're it learning. takes a minute. I grossly underestimated how much beer that place goes through on Sunday. Fortunately, the core brands were still there, so we're happy. <laughs> we're happy about that. Three of them were weird mistakes that I, you know, I guess are my fault, but were kind of weird timing stuff. One of them was totally my mistake. Um, but I've been drinking a lot of our Oktoberfest, which I've been really digging. You know, if you listen to this podcast, that's one of my kind of favorite non-hoppy styles. Uh, but yeah, I'm still just chasing the fresh hop stuff. We had uh, that Block 15 uh, fresh, or what, it's that fresh flow, fresh pow series, fresh craze. Fresh flow. Fresh flow. Yeah. Man, and, it was good. and it was fresh hopped. That was really excellent. Um, I keep drinking that Sun River fresh hop over and over because I keep finding it in cans and I absolutely am loving that fresh hop. Uh, and I'll be at Freem this afternoon. So, hey, we'll go see if they've got anything. I mean, I hear they make beer out there. I'm going to assume they've got some fresh hops there. I'm going to assume you. they've got one or two. And what about you, Shane? Well, what was two your weekend right now? Beer? In fact, I'll start with those. All right. Had, uh, let's see. Started at Freem, um, Fresh Hop Centennial, and then they've got a Hazy Amarillo, which is was actually my favorite of the two. Um, They've got a centrifuge, so it's not super, super hazy. It's yeah, not like I've noticed all their hazies are yeah. almost what we call on this podcast, like or what I call in my life, block fifteen hazy. Sure. So it's not that true kind of great notion juice bomb. It's a. It's not pulpy. It's more right? that unfiltered. Unfiltered. Look. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even though it is filtered, yeah, they they get to play with these cool centrifuges and big beer toys where they can control the yeast load and all that stuff. So. That was delicious. I did pick up a, a saison from them. It's a Jester King collaboration, which oh, hello. is not available through Point Blank at all yet. We'll see. So you got your hands on that. That's good. It's sitting chilling. I was going to bring that, but <laughs> apparently don't we don't like, like saisons. I, I, I don't love saisons either. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone. I personally but... do. It's kind of my thing. Um, but yeah, I brought I brought a Pilsner. Um, I've been drinking a ton of this beer. This is the Rothaus Pils from. From Germany, um, it is super expensive on draft. So if you find this anywhere on draft, it's probably like way more expensive than you're looking to to, to spend. But it's yeah. like three dollars at John's, really for a bottle. So yeah. And you were saying this is kind of the uh, the the crispy boy. This is right like now. the New York hipster pilsner at the moment. Um, I don't know why they chose this. It's delicious. It's quite it delicious. It's delicious. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, there's something about, you know, trends just kind of blow us all away every once in a while. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to get into later about those kind of trends and how you handle right. that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So that's that's your way. It's interesting that you love Cezanne so much. What about Cezanne speaks um, to you? Part of it's because I grew up in like a farming community. And so a lot of those aromas and flavors are just super familiar to me. Um I don't know. I did a lot of home brewing and I made a lot of saisons and made a lot of bad beer and I made a lot of really good saisons. <laughs> I think that's um, what's interesting about that that style is I've had some saisons in my day that I've really really enjoyed, but I think I've just drank so many bad ones that it's kind of just like uh, I don't want to take a chance at that. But at the same time, I've I've drank more bad IPAs than any style on this planet, so, yet I still drink IPAs. So. Right. Maybe I should take another stab at it. I think that's <laughs> the the case for a lot of beers for me. I mean, I I tried. Um, oh my god, what was the one that we had uh, during our last tasting room? Was that a saison? What it was the it was like salty, or am I forgetting salty. the salty? Yeah, Go, it, it was a goza. Yeah. Yes, excuse me. Um, we tried that, and I was terrified of it because I I had <laughs> not liked gozas before. The limoncello one from Rubens. Yes, that's what it was, and I I did not like gozas when I had had them in the past. And I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Like I drank it, and I was like, you know what? Maybe, I, maybe I can try this style again. And that could be the same for saisons, I think too. Saisons is kind of known for their goza. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid goza. Yeah, they they've GBF'd a couple times. Yeah. Speaking of that, that's, that's this week. That's this week. Today yeah. it starts day one on the floor. What? That's why I get to be here during the middle of the day is because all these people are gone. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> gone. <laughs> everybody's gone. I know. I'm going out to Freem with some friends, and I reached out to our you know good friend, friend of this podcast, Justin Walker, and and I was like, hey man, I'll be there on Thursday. You gonna be there? He's like, nah, man, I'm going to GABF. I was like, all right, well, I'll bring you a case of beer. He goes, okay, I'll hook you up. <laughs> oh, poor you. You have to go to GABF yeah, and yeah. drink crew, a lot and have fun. Left. Our crew left the other day. Some of our guys judge. Uh, be interesting this year. I heard this year they went back to, or I don't know if they've done it in the past, but last year they did it in alphabetical order, and I thought that was a nightmare when I was there just because it's like 
you know, Breakside is on one side of the thing, and I just wanted to say hi to our Wayfinder friends, and they're on the complete opposite <laughs> side. And I'm next to breweries I've never heard of, which is cool, but, you know, it's always nice to see familiar faces out there. This year it's by region, so I imagine the Northwest region is going to be, A, a very busy spot, and B, a very inebriated spot uh, amongst our, our our colleagues, our peers. When you say Northwest, I mean, man, that's going to be a ton of yeah. breweries there. Yeah, I mean, is it just Oregon or is it Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Northern California? Because if it's that big, uh-oh. Yeah, that's really going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, I get a little tight in there, I would imagine. California's got a lot of breweries. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck to everyone out there. If anybody's listening to this out there, I had a blast <laughs> last year. Have fun this year. We have an Drink episode from beers. GABF yep. way back in the, in the last year yonder, mm-hmm. so you can go listen to that. So if you're out there, have a blast. You know, take pictures, try Ooh. to remember things. It's if a you marathon. forget things, then that's great, too. It's a marathon, so just keep that in mind. Yes, but you can still sprint every once in a while. That is true. Yes. All right, so I said this before the podcast, and I'll say it now just for the listeners out there. I know nothing about distribution. Like This is a world that is so foreign to me. I, I'm learning a lot about beer doing this podcast, and I feel like I've kind of gotten to a new level of knowledge of a lot of things, but distribution is not something that we have tackled, and it's something that I really am excited to learn about, but I don't know a lot about. So I'm going to let Patrick lead the interview. And I'm going to jump in with questions here and there that I have. You know, they might be stupid questions. They might be uh, maybe more layman's terms than, than, you know, Patrick is asking. But that's just kind of I'm just setting this up for you now. Just so if you don't hear me a lot in the beginning, it's because I'm trying to soak it in and think of interesting questions to ask. So there you go, Patrick. Well, Take it away, friend. <laughs> well, this is great. I'm glad that, Shane, you were able to do this because we met, what, five, six years ago, five years ago? Back Lake in the Oswego, Lake Oswego right? days. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, been, yeah. it's been a little while. Yeah, it's probably w- six years ago. Yeah. Six years, something like that. I was a bartender at a new restaurant in Lake Oswego where the beer scene was absolutely nothing. I mean, it was kind of like if you walked into any of the restaurants around there and you weren't, you know, Western Bev or maybe Columbia, it was like, sorry, no one's here. We're busy. Get out. Um, so that was kind of, so it was kind of fun because as I started, you know, kind of getting more into this place and becoming a little more influential in the beer buying, it was people like point blank. You were the, you were the rep at the time for our area and general at the time before they were bought. Uh, and some of the independents were really excited cause we wanted to bring your guys's beer in. So I was able to kind of start a relationship with you. And since then you've worked your way up. Tell me, tell me what it is you do with point blank. So I am the specialty Specialty beer guy for Point Blank, meaning I get to go to all the fun places like Belmont Station and John's Market, Apex, Beer Mongers, Cerveza, most of our favorite beer bars. Um, those are my accounts, and I get to take care of them. And I also get to do a lot more as far as like a, an actual route. So I've got the airport. I've got parts of Northeast Portland. I've got... All sorts of other things. Um, I'm spread out pretty far, but those are mainly what I do, um, along with a huge import portfolio. Uh, Point Blank has the best import portfolio in the city. And, sure. it, and it is your job. You are essentially the middleman to get the beer from the brewery to these shops. From not from the brewery. So as a, as a distributor, we... We start, we are a customer of the brewery is the best way to put it. Okay. So, um, and we try to be the best customer we can, you know, we're, they work with us to put beers in the right places. So for instance, Frame, let's start there. They're doing very well right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they make a ton of beer. They also don't make enough beer. Like they are cranking. They've got cans. It's doing really, really well. Um, you'll probably see a lot of those out of stock. Because it's really popular. Um, so as far as as far as we start, we start as a customer of the brewery, and then we do our best to put the the right beers in the right places. So do you control then the amount that I mean, you say like Johns and Cerveza and all these bottle shops? You control how much they get, knowing the the amount of beer that Freem has to give. We try to give them as much as we can. It's yeah, <laughs> the goal to sell the beer, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of times the brewery has the relationships with, say, like New Seasons, right? Um, which is something that Freem does, and they do often. They've even made beers for them. Um, and so behind the scenes, that stuff goes on, and and we just are a, literally a middleman when it comes to that. Um, and that's okay. It's 
easy in and easy out. Um, yeah, those those are things that sometimes are out of our hands. But yeah, it's our job to sell the beer to anybody. Could it could it be said that you guys, in a sense, kind of control the market in a way that the consumer is really only going to a potentially fall in love with BC because you guys determine it's a good product to sell like, or, or how do you balance the pushing good beer with pushing beer that needs to be pushed? Whether it's not as great as something like, you know, if someone's brewery, a has IPA, which isn't as great as brewery B Freem's IPA, Do you dictate? Do you want us to drink more Freem? How do you find that balance to get us to drink the other stuff? Because you guys have a pretty versatile portfolio. Yeah, it's the the market decides. We don't we don't decide any of that. You know, Freem could be they could be the nicest people in the world and make terrible beer, and the market's not going to buy it because it's not good beer. That's what it what it really comes down to is the market decides how much beer gets sold, how much beer gets drank. It's all up to them. Um, a lot of it, you know, you look in the grocery stores, post-offs are, are a big deal. So it's just, you know, beer on post-offs, so it's cheaper. Um, you go to QFC, and there's, like, big stack-outs of beer everywhere, and those beers tend to be cheaper. People are going to crank through those beers um, where, you know, you've got killer beers on the shelf that just kind of sit there at, like, $13 a six-pack where you see, you know, another beer in a stack-out that's seven ninety-nine. You're buying that beer. Um, whereas someone like me or you, we look a little bit more crafty, Mm -hmm. um, or look for craftier beers. And so I'm looking at dates. I don't care if, if it's $13 for a six pack, if it's the beer I want, that's the beer I want. And Portland is pretty unique in that way where that's how people buy for, for at least the places that I Mm -hmm. frequent. Um, but yeah, the grocery store culture is definitely... Let's get it cheap and let's move some volume. Shane from, uh, God, I keep wanting to say Point Break. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Shane from Point Blank uh, Distribution here with us uh, on Beers and Us. And so you said you work with a lot of the bottle shops. Mm-hmm. What is, you know, quickly or as, as in detailed as you want, what is a day in the life for you going to these places and being the specialty beer guy? What are they asking of you? What are you asking of them? Kind of what is the routine that you have every day when you go to these places? Um, well, the biggest part of what I do is being prepared. Um, I start my morning and go through receiving reports. So, um, we're pretty fortunate where we've got like a really cool, um, system that when we get new beers in from say like great divide, and we've got all these cool new beers coming in from them and I'm like waiting, I'm waiting for those. So I'm waiting and, and making sure, you know, I can, I can pitch this beer. If it's not coming in today, I know it'll be in next week. Um, so I make sure I'm prepared. I write down everything I need for a sales pitch. Um, luckily, I deal with like the nicest people in the world, so I don't have to deal with mean bar people yeah, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And I, I mean, imagine you've built relationships with these guys at this point. Too, Absolutely, right? I've been doing this for been with Point Blank for seven years. Drove for a year, which it's a hard job, but it was like my favorite job ever. It was great. Get driving um, trucks, dropping off. Slinging kegs around Hood River and the, the unsung heroes great. of the yeah. beer game. Exactly. Yeah. It does seem they kind make, of peaceful to do they that. They make the world go around for sure. Yeah. yeah. Having good drivers are are hard to come by, and luckily we have some some killer ones. So. So when you meet with when you meet with some of these people, let's take Belmont Station for example. Probably mm-hmm. you know the the you know most desired craft beer bottle shop in Portland, or at least the the longest tenured quote best best bottle shop. How what is the relationship like in the sense of the things they want that sometimes mix with the things you need to sell and how they differ, how they cha- how they stay the same, whether it's allocation for the stuff they want or stuff that, you know, basically how do you play ball with them and how do they play ball with you? Play ball. That's a funny way to, to say. I mean, we, it really is relationship driven. Um Let's see. As far as allocations go, that is literally up to them as a customer. So they're driving sales, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, for instance, you know, Fresh Hop Pallet Jack just went on and sold in less than 24 hours. Yeah, I believe that. Um, They were the first people to ever get anything from Barley Brown's. They were the first customer of Barley Brown's, period. So normally in years past, Tyler Brown literally delivers that to them. I have no say in that whatsoever. Wow. 
Um, and it's easily the the most sought after beer I yeah. I get asked for. But um, to answer your question, as far as like allocation stuff goes, it's it's loyalty for the most part. Like, say I'm I'm about to go to Apex, and they've had five permanent handles of Boneyard, at least five or six. Mm-hmm. So they're always going to get the good stuff from them. That's where that goes. Um, it's all relationship driven. Um, and is that through you guys or Boneyard goes to them and says, oh, you guys have been loyal. Uh, Here's five to six good things. It's them being a good customer of the brewery. Um, it's you pat my back, I'll pat your back kind of a situation. And it's not, you know, a lot of times I'll get, I'll, get crap for saying, you know, like, hey, Apex has all this cool stuff on, and how do you get that? And I'm like, well, I don't, it has nothing to do with me. People know where to go get that stuff, and so that's where they go. Um, yeah, it's just my job to get it there. Well, it's cold and delicious. Is there, and if you can't talk about this, that's fine, but is, has there been, like, the easiest and the hardest sales pitch you've had to make for a certain beer? If you can't talk about it, I understand. But the Easiest and the hardest sales pitch? Oh, man. You know, now that I've been doing it for so long, it comes a lot more easy, but it's it's really hard to put yourself out to a brand new bar owner or like, for instance, when I go to Belmont Station, it can be somewhat daunting. And I've told him this before, so this isn't any randomness. You walk into a back room and they're just kind of back there in this like the back part of Belmont Station used mm-hmm. to be like this little apartment. So there's like you walk through a kitchen, there's a bathroom, and then you walk in and it's just computers and people kind of sitting at a desk. And it can be somewhat daunting for, say, like a new sales rep that I bring in that's like training or something like that. That stuff can be really daunting. But now that I've been used to it for a long time, um, it's not. They're just people, man. They're really the nicest people around. I am fortunate where I get to deal with a lot of cool people. Bar owners are just, you know, average shows like you and I. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> we all love beer, and we're all we're all trying yeah, it's to. It's the you common know, language. Like, you got to make money, and you got to push stuff. It, it's interesting. You mentioned this earlier as a consumer. You know, you're a you're a date code kind of guy. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it for you guys? to keep fresh on the on the shelves for at least some of your at least you personally your main accounts or some of the the smaller accounts that are you know in other people's territories and stuff like that how how challenging is it to keep things fresh on the market because just to add to that we did the episode a couple of weeks ago a month ago now where we experimented with the widmer box and we found out that the beer in there was the one we were drinking it was four months old already and we had i mean it was albertson's we got it at albertson's but i mean we were shocked that it was that old made in this, in this town. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On the grocery level, um, it's tough. And for someone who like me, um, I have like two grocery stores. So I'm in there checking codes all the time and I'm really against selling old beer as it is. Um, and then with that being said, there's a lot of styles and a lot of like say this import beer, right? This beer has a year life expectancy. Exactly. Um it's past, likely pasteurized, yeah. and um, it's delicious. But if you had that after a year, it would taste like cardboard hair. Yeah, yeah, cardboard. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> body body of Christ. Like that's what that's always what I tell people. It's either cardboard or yeah, like remember the the little wafers you got in church. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. I, that's oh. what I tell people. Oxidation. Like. I don't know that, but that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, he's a Jew. <laughs> Jewish, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you ever had an old stale cracker, body of Christ, <laughs> uh, that's oxidation right there. Um, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people pick up o- oxidation in different ways, and like it's probably just old beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, as far as like pulling pulling beers, you just pull it off the shelf and credit people, and yeah. It's pretty simple. Um, it's not. It's not simple on the grocery level because there's so much there. Um, luckily, our brands do really well in grocery stores, and I don't have to worry about that. Speaking of that, name off, rattle off some of the brands you like. Oh man, or not you like, um, but some of the brands you carry. I should stuff say we've got. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. That way we're not playing. Yeah, favorites. some of the bigger stuff we've got: Barley Browns, Boneyard, Double Mountain. Um, Bonnie Burt's one of the newer fun ones. Everybody's every everybody in the gorges. Is you guys is with us? So we've got Freem, Double Mountain, everybody's. Um, 
Boneyard, Good Life. Good Life just came out with some some killer new stuff. Um, they've got a killer Bavarian uh, Bavarian um, lager. And then I know you guys don't like hazies, but uh, <laughs> hazy pale in cans is really good. Uh, I remember when I first when I first met you and was going through Point Blank. Uh, for me, it was like Point Blank is the hop king. This is sure the place, are. especially six years ago. Yeah. You know, it was like I gotta have that double mountain, gotta have that boneyard, gotta have that that barley browns. I don't know about this brewery Freem. Everyone says it's good. I think it's trash. <laughs> uh, but but Point Blank is where I gotta go. Uh, where have you? How have you guys seen yourself grow in the last say five years to where? You know, whether it's versatiling the portfolio, whether it's enhanced imports in terms of competition with the other guys, the Miletuses, the Columbias, the Western Bevs of the world. Where have you guys seen yourself grow? As far as growth goes, you know, it's this business is adapt or die. I mean, you have to you have to bring in new new breweries, new new blood. Yeah. Um, it has to it has to be done. Um, we're pretty lucky that. We have killer brand recognition, and we don't have to worry about people really wanting to leave because there's a you know there's this is the kind of business where people mm-hmm. are are mobile and it's uh, it's all relationship based. So as far as us growing, you know we've in the past few years we've gotten some really killer breweries like we picked up Melvin from the whole general thing. Um, our import portfolio just keeps getting bigger and better and. Luckily, people are starting to finally figure out that all these delicious pilsners that people are drinking locally all came from over there. Yeah, and yeah. We're starting to sell a lot more of those, and I see that as being a little bit of the a little bit more of the future, hopefully. Um, but IPA is king, and we have a lot of those for sure. Those when are my you, favorites. When you talk about the import portfolio, is it very different dealing with the breweries in Europe or wherever else that you're that you're getting them from? versus dealing with the breweries here is there more pressure with it are they i mean is it just beer and they're nice and they understand kind of how the game works or or what's challenging about that the challenge is um a lot of its price a lot of its recognition you know like for instance vine stefan oldest brewery brewery in the world um we sell a ton of their beer it's killer beer um i know what they look like people people i've had their beer yeah we had it on the podcast Um, right mm -hmm. The hardest part about selling import beer, especially on the draft side, is all their couplers are different. They don't yeah. use American Sankeys. We only have one, um, Bobic. If you ever see Bobic, which is a delicious Belgian pilsner, um, they have American Sankeys, and it's delicious. And the Sankey is the the connector, connector. connector to the keg that pours it through the draft system. So it's like the American Sankey is basically a kind of it's like a lock turn. Drop it in, turn it, yeah. and pull the handle out and drop it like you'd see at a like at a kegger. Yeah, you know yeah. that that's the American Sankey to where the European is like this flat top that kind of slides over this other flat top. There's a lot kinda, of different ones. Man. Yeah, that like yeah. slides over. Yeah, that's they're all over the place, and it's like a pressure thing. I mean, it, the concept is all basically the same. They're just it's like plugins, like it's plugins exactly in England. Plugins. Different country, yeah, get plugins the in England. Yeah. It does the same right. thing, but the plugin is different than it is. Business in America. idea make a Sankey adapter if that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, it's pro- it's just easy to just take it off and put a new one it's, on. That's the, that's the thing, though, is like for me, I know it's like changing a light bulb. It's really easy. Yeah. But selling that to a bar manager is really difficult because then, you know, 90% of of bartenders at, at night are usually female. And for them to sling kegs around and change that thing out is just their, their bosses and the owners are not going to ask them to do that. It's just unfair. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, whereas you guys probably serving off like a massive serving tank, you're not going to run out of Pilsner. Yes, this is true. Right. He is correct. <laughs> we have massive serving tanks. Right. <laughs> I didn't need to order that this past weekend. <laughs> Don't worry, bosses. We were fine. <laughs> There's still eight barrels in that tank. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and you, you're the middleman, right? That's kind of your role in general. You're not. I'm the face of of the distribution company itself. So yes, okay. I am the middleman. Um, as far as like the tiers go, so you got brewery, and then if you want to go like European, let's let's start there. Uh, there's an importer. So importers sell beer to us to distributors, and so we're the customer of the importer. Okay, and then it trickles down from from distributor to bar owners, or say customers. Like customers can come to the 
the distributor distributor and and buy beer. Is there a massive difference between you guys and like a Columbia or a Miletus who I at least massive. Okay. I was going to say on the, on the surface, they drive all the 18 wheeler trucks and they're all over the place. What is different between you and what you do and what they do? Is it just the scale or is it actually a difference in, in model? Definitely a difference in model for sure. Um, the Columbia's of the world are, they're very corporate. Um, I don't have to deal with a corporate boss, which is great. I don't have to wear a, collared shirt i can look like me um which i have to say it does get us a lot a lot of not more business but different business right yeah um because you're a human being i'm versus, a human being as opposed being to being a corporate person yeah well, yeah and i i really don't know how much a lot of those dudes know about beer like they might be a great salesman but they might not know what the heck they're talking about when they go into a bar and i get to see that firsthand and it's something it's something you know Everyone struggles within the beer biz, you know. I'm, right. I'm not saying I'm not calling out any of like our employees, but it's you can tell when you walk into a brewery if a, if the bartender when you ask you know tell me about this pilsner, and the bartender just regurgitates stuff they were told, or if they actually know the beer, and that goes a long way with the customer. I was at Grixon Brewing the other day. I can't believe I forgot to say this, and this woman was helping me, and I asked her. Is that I said, the new one over by? Uh... It's like right by Apex on 11th and 12, 11th and Division. Okay. Little brewery, cool little it's like space right, in there. right behind Beer Mongers. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Beer Mongers and Pine State over there. Really, right? really cool spot. And this woman was, you know, I, I saw her kind of helping people and talking with people about some beers. And I was like, I think she knows what she's talking about. Let me, I'm going to ask her a weird question because I want to know. It said they had a, a fresh hop IPA on. And I said, excuse me, this is going to be a weird question, but do you know where these fresh hops were added in the brew process? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're on the back end. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, yeah, that way it's, like, cleaner, less vegetal. And I was like, I, either someone told you that and you're regurgitating it, but you <laughs> sold it to me, I'll have one. <laughs> and, like, and I was, and it, I, like, got excited about it. And I was really, you know, you're really pumped because you kind of know, hey, hey, this person knows their beer as opposed to, yeah, just being regurgitated. So I can, I can imagine... Yeah, anytime I see a point blank person rolling around, it's they look like us. Right. It's not to say that, you know, every Columbia rep is that way because it's that's just not true. But um you definitely see some people out there and it it could be Columbia, it could be Miletus, it could be gosh, any I've even run into this with people that are like full on reps for breweries and they're just yeah. like I have no idea. There's there's an etiquette to doing what I do. So for instance, I could go into like a liquor store and I'm I'm waiting in line to make my pitch behind another rep, right? And some dude from a brewery comes in and just like jumps in in between, and you got to say something. Yeah. Hopefully, the beer buyer says something, so I don't have to be the jerk. But it happens, you know. And more often than not, those people don't stick around. <laughs> um, it's just part of the industry, you know. I mean, if you're not, if you're not. I mean, there is a competition cloth, aspect to it in that sense. I super imagine. competitive, so. yeah. Especially out here, man. It's it's cutthroat. Yeah, what, what sure. is what is the easiest way to keep yourself up with competitions or with the with the competition? Is it just keeping good brands on your book, keeping those relationships maintained? I mean, I don't mean to answer it for you, but mm -hmm. is that kind of the way that you know somebody with a larger portfolio, maybe a larger distribution footprint, like a Columbia or a Miletus, is it is it just because you've got great stuff like Boneyard and which Boneyard RPM is in, you know, 70% of right. bars in this town when it comes to an IPA. Only 70. <laughs> uh, it's like a hundred in there, right? <laughs> you got to show up. Yeah. Period. If you don't, you know, if you don't show up to your accounts, um, you're not going to stay on draft. Usually that's usually how that works out. Um, and it's not always easy, you know, juggling time, like time management. I was actually just having this conversation with my boss. Time management is super tough. Like I'm spread out from the airport all the way to Southwest. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me to manage my time properly and get in front of the right people that I need to get in front of is not easy. Um, I'm constantly in traffic. I'm constantly driving. Um, I have a have a facial recognition camera in my car <laughs> like i mean we're we're on the yeah. on the road all the time so yeah it's just it's not just about what you have it's about if you show up and if you're if you're nice to people one question then this is something that i've kind of alluded to in a couple of podcasts before so i live out in beaverton 
and I feel like the the beer game out where I'm from, although getting better, is obviously nowhere near as close as it is to in, in the city. Um, I know that's not necessarily where you uh, go, where your accounts are, but do you see the suburban, it doesn't have to be Beaverton specifically, but the suburban areas getting more intelligent, knowledgeable, um, bringing in more of the specialty beers, all of that stuff than you have in the last couple of years, or is it still a long ways away from where Portland is right now? I want to say they're probably a little bit farther away than you might want them to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time out there either. Um, it's definitely an RPM world out there at the moment from, from what I hear. Um, but it's getting better. You know, like there's ABV out there and some of those bottle shops do really, really well. Um, I wish I knew how to answer that a little bit better because I really don't spend any time out there. Well, I mean, you um, kind of answered it in saying they're much further behind than I want them to be, which yeah, means that exactly. they're not, they may be growing, but it's not exactly, I, not exactly where it could be. I mean, there's near my house, there's been, a, there's been an open restaurant for two years, uh, empty restaurant that's, that's been up for at least for, forever. And I've heard rumors of multiple breweries potentially going in there and they don't. And part of me is like, just do it and introduce beer to where I live because the closest brewery to me is probably, well, the new Ex Novo opened up and then there's Ancestry in Tualatin. They kind of are equidistant to, to where I live. Stay tuned. You're getting a great notion. Am I? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. Um, but that's fine. It's another, I just bring more out there. I think if you expose more people to it, then I think it naturally helps because anybody who lives in the burbs and doesn't want to come to Portland that often, or, you know, that's where they work and they want to stay close to home. They're not getting the same experience naturally, right? So you go to a restaurant and you might have RPM and apocalypse IPA and just other stuff that's been there forever. And you're never getting a chance to spread your wings. I think you know, there's, so there's another side to that too, though, where breweries are seeing the ceiling and Opening up another brewery costs a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. So you're really putting your neck out there if you if I mean Beaverton seems like a like an obvious choice, right? Um but if it fails, then you're out of a lot of money. You're in trouble. Um yeah, it's it's getting to the point where people are seeing the ceiling and it doesn't matter if if it looks like there's room there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's gonna be another brewery in Southwest within the next year. And I know he's a good brewer. It's going to be a killer brewery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope I hope the best for him, man. I mean, it's like I said before, it's an evolve or die industry. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't keep evolving and and just making good beer, then you're done. And that's something that that Mike and I have discussed many times on this podcast. I mean, we've we've seen a little bit of it in in 2019 but i think in 2020 we're about to see a, a, a i think a serious fall in some breweries i think we're going to see a lot of people close down um i mean i can think of two off the top of my head that i've that are that are laying people off that are destined for it uh and i'm not even talking about widmer you know so it's like how do you guys as distributors with some of those accounts is it your job to try to help them? Not in the sense of like lie about the quality of their beer or anything like that, you know, but is it, does it kind of land on you guys to give them a bone, to help them out a little oh, bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, um, like I said, we are a customer of that brewery, but they help us out a lot. Like they have brewery reps that we work directly with. And um, do you find them to be stubborn about it? Or are they open to can what be? It's their livelihood, you know. Um, when you when you open a brewery and you go, you know, say like you work for a big brewery and the you're when you go to brewing school or you start, you know, washing kegs. The fir- the one thing you want to do is open your own brewery. Like that's mm-hmm. the the goal, right? All bartenders want to own their own bar. Exactly. Um. You stick your neck out there big time to start a brewery, and if people aren't behind you in the way that you want them to be, um, they take it personally, and you can't help but take it personally, right? Um, and it's not personal. It's just, you know, the, what the customer wants, what the customer wants, and you can put this beer in front of them. 
You can sell it to them as well as you can as you like, and ultimately it's their choice to buy it or not. That's I hate to make it so simple, but it really is that simple. I right. mean, um, I put my neck out there for them, and then they choose to buy or not. And as far as like, and as far as like trends go, you know, 2019 were the year of the logger, the year of the strata hop. Um, how how much do you guys play into that? Is it something that you can kind of see before the brewery? In terms of what's selling and say, hey, Good Life, you See know, fun. Hellas loggers are really popular. Or is Good Life saying, hey, we want to jump on this logger train. Let, you know, what what do we need to do? Or, you know, how can you help us spread that love? See, I would say that the, the year of the logger was like two years ago. Um, <laughs> we just, we finally saw local breweries like Upright and Freem start making loggers locally as opposed to looking at Europe for the mm. super clean ultra minerally badass beers um and now we can get them over here so now that we've got like two ex chuckanut brewers in the city here in, <laughs> you know around here it's uh we're spoiled for sure um we just started working with another another company that is sort of like an importer um what they do is they they go to a brewery say for instance like surly or something like that um, and they'll go Surly's through Minnesota, us. right? They're in Indiana. I'm thinking Three Floyds. Um, either way, okay. they're in the Midwest. Um, I should know this. I just did all this research on this. Um, I lost my train of thought. It's a new importer, and they're sort of an importer. Okay, so what they're doing is they're they're coming to any city, say like Seattle, Portland. LA, wherever. And they go to this brewery and they say, well, you brew a batch of beer specifically for this city just because it's not available at the moment through any distributor. So that's like his business. And it's just kind of weird trying to figure out and gauge whether or not the market's going to want that because we as a, as a city we're like the litmus test for a lot of breweries. Like everybody wants to be out here. That's why you're seeing like the day one distri- distributions where they're signing all these 30-day contracts. And, Picks up all these California guys. Right. That's why we get Beachwood and things like that. Um, we are the litmus test as far as whether or not your your brewery could succeed in a city outside of where you're currently at. Um, and a lot of times they fail, you know, um, or don't do as well as they'd like. Um, they get pissed yeah we've we've seen we've seen ebbs and flows i mean i've seen melvin go up and down be really popular in this city and then kind of disappear but then make a little bit of a comeback i've seen the same thing with great divide they show up it's like yeah we're down and then all of a sudden disappear but then come back so i can't imagine the the rodeo you have to play with that in terms of just keeping your ears to the streets and trying to make sure you know what's moving right and that goes back to the the evolve or die thing like Mm -hmm. they melvin said they would never make any any hazies or Anything like that. And now they've got two mm-hmm. and they're freaking delicious. Yeah. Where I guess I guess we can finish up with this and kind of like a, a fun note. Where do you see what what what's next? What's what's the what's twenty twenty like? <laughs> what are we gonna see in twenty twenty? Well if loggers for you was three years ago, then I think you're gonna blow our minds probably. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean you said IPA is king, you know. I IPA I think we're king. starting to see, you know, with the hazy starting to kind of settle out a little bit. I right. think we're gonna see some more West Coast IPAs. That was that was our best guess a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago. West I, Coast IPAs I expect, would be next, I, next year again. I expect loggers to continue on this loggers stuff. Loggers will you continue. Know? I I see a little bit of an evolution of both of those. So we're we're definitely gonna see like the evolution of the of the loggers, like hopefully we get some slow pour pilsner g- mm. coming somewhere that's uh. not proster stompish. I would love to see yeah. something <clears throat> evolve like that because that's I saw an article that the new trend in America is foam. I was like, oh, really? So pouring beer properly is yeah. all of a sudden going to be oh. cool. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, like you know, I you know to to use GABF as an example, I was out there last year and they've got I I can't remember the place off the top of my head. The five beer, minute pills, beer stop, beer stop. Yeah. Thank you. That's the uh, spot. And you know they've got three beers on draft. 
and they give you a little little cutout piece of paper, and they're like, "We've got three beers," and it was the famous five minute pills. They, I think they had a Fest beer, and I think they had a Hellas, and that was like, "Those are our three beers right now," and it's called the five minute pills, and it works because it's the brand. But if I walk in to a beer bar in town, I don't want to wait five minutes. I think it's that American side of us. It's like I want that beer now. Like, why do I got to wait five minutes? Oh, because so it'll be worth it, it when you wait well, five minutes. I agree. So I agree. I'm not saying me personally. I just You know, wonder, you really don't. That's the thing, though. Can they, the public they call change it, that? They call it the five-minute pills, but they've, when you walk in there, I've, I haven't been to Bierstadt, but I've been to breweries and beer bars that do this. Mm-hmm. They make two or three beers, and they've got 30 different beers going at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's kind of so, what I figured. But it's still that proper pour. I don't know yes. if we have a place like that in this town that is busy enough to be able to do that. Right. Prost and Stomptish do a really good job um, at that. You mm-hmm. know, they, they pour beer properly. Um, but I would like to see a little bit more of an evolution, like a beer bar doing something like that would be great. Um, I can tell you something that's going to come into the market that you're not going to like. Hmm. Um, we're going to start seeing a lot more, they call them, RTDs, they're ready to drink cocktails and, oh, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, That's yeah, already yeah. started to, to come uh, into like the, the fold. Like the hard seltzer and... train evolved. Seltzer's not going away either. Well, I mean, no, no, but yeah. I mean like hard seltzer's been so popular sure. that you're going to start seeing mixed um, cocktails. In... You're going to start seeing hard coffees like the Pabst one's about to launch. And I hate to say it, but it's really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean like, that sounds you're, good. You're going to start seeing a lot like of that Irish stuff. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably where I mean we'll evolve in that. You're, you're also seeing a lot of the CBD stuff and mm-hmm. non-alcoholic sector is doing really well. Um, the government may or may not let us keep doing that, but we're trying. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that stuff on the market, and some of it's really good. Well, uh, what uh, what brewery for you right now is killing it? Pick one. I spend a Pick lot of one. I spend one. a lot of time at Von Eber. Nice. <laughs> you're spend a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of time out there. Sean is killing it at the at the east side location and um, the wings, man. The wings. <laughs> Keep coming for the wings. Yeah, and Sam's a good friend of mine at, at uh, the downtown, at the yeah, Pearl I still, spot. I still haven't met <clears throat> Sam because oh, I don't go downtown anymore. Amazing person. Amazing guy. I've heard nothing but good things. I had a yeah. pimento cheeseburger there when I was last there. <sighs> yeah, so I'm good. a little biased. <laughs> Sam, Sam did a little stage with us at Breakside, and so that's where I got to know him. And, and you know, I finally went out to Glendevere and – <clears throat> had a bunch of Sean's beer out beer out there, and I was com- not blown away because I've had his beers in the past, and I've always known he's been right. a talented brewer. But they've got two spots that are making different beers, yet it's all Von Ebert beer. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because Mike and I are stuff. Mike and I are big fans of them. Yes, we think they make great beer. It's doing a great job. It's not to say that there's not a ton of other breweries out there. Um, we did say pick one, so but there it that is. is where I spend most of my time these days. That's great. Yeah. When you just need a spot to like get some work done, you just I just know it's well, I just know it's good and wings. <laughs> you know, um, I like Tom a lot, and then you know when Mike was brewing at Fatheads or mm-hmm. when it was Fatheads, um, I was down there a lot. So yeah. All right, Shane. You got a beer of the week for us too, huh? I do. All right. Let's do that next. Shane from Point Blank with us throughout the entire podcast. Part one of our distribution series continues with beer of the week next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris and Shane. Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris and Shane, who has brought us a Beer of the Week, and uh, you could pop that on the mic if you'd like. Don't need to hide it. There you go. Um, he's brought us a beer from a brewery that we have yet to talk about on the podcast, but one that I'm we good, have gone to, uh, the two of us, Patrick and I, when we did a day of multiple breweries before recording a podcast. I can already tell. Uh, we have a trapdoor beer in front of us, and you know what that means. It's a hazy. <laughs> She's a hazy one. Uh, now, like we've talked about, you all you listeners know, and Shane is a listener of the podcast, and he knows. Oh, not bad. Um, he knows we don't love hazies. However, oh. we have also found a couple of hazies that we have had that we have enjoyed. Remember that Lewitt hazy? Yes. I still think about that hazy. Yeah, that was a good one, and they were very proud of that, and they were selling it in cans and promoting it, so that was a good one. I like those guys at Lewitt. It's like my old days. And there was another one that we did as well that I think we actually enjoyed. I'm not going to remember it, but 
Uh, I, I remember it, doing it on the podcast. I think it was that matchless Fresh Hop Pale last week. Well, that was yours. I did not love that one. Oh, I, I did kind of like that one. There was one that we did. I think this was like 20 episodes ago. So, what, five months at this point. I there like was one that we had. Good beers. And I was like, man, that's uh, that was a good hazy. I don't remember what it was, though. So I just want hops and bitterness. Well, maybe we'll get a little get bit of both in here, lawn. huh? And get hops and bitterness in All right, this. So it's just what? ugly. Shane, Mike Trout, what? Snow, Mickey Mantle. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> What's the what beer is this, Shane? You got it in front of this you. This is the Trapdoor Co-Hop Fresh Hop IPA. So these guys, I'll just read the back here. Our fourth annual neighborhood collaboration is back. This year's batch was hopped with over 400 pounds of fresh hops from our local co-hop growers and nearby Crosby Hope Farms. Teamwork makes the dream work. This is all Centennial and Amarillo. Does that really say Crosby Hope Farms? It does. H-O-P-E? Mm-hmm. That's not how you spell Crosby Hop Farms. No. Nice. Did you notice how I snuck that nice. in? Nice. <laughs> uh oh. Whoopsie doopsies. Um, uh, one thing that's really cool before we get into talking about this is that they've done, I've seen this with some other breweries before, um, but basically they're letting my, 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 my mom and her husband live two blocks from Trapdoor in the house I grew up in. So I'm downtown Vancouver semi frequently saying hey to them, and it's the closest brewery. It's across the street from the pot shop. And, uh, they did it last year and the year before, I think, but they couldn't get, theirs weren't ready in time this year. But it's a really cool thing. People in the neighborhood literally harvest their hops and take them to the brewery, and they're making a beer off the neighborhood's hops. That's really cool. Yeah. Good Life does something similar. Yeah. Um, a thousand Hippies. 10,000 Hippies is what they great. call it. Great. Awesome yeah. name. Killer That's a great name. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, I took my first sip, and I'm not going to lie. I don't I, I don't feel like I hate this like a normal hazy. I'm actually enjoying it. I get a lot of the fresh hop kind of right off the nose. Uh, it smells good to me. It does not smell like a hazy beer. Um, there is a little bit of bitterness missing because of the haze, and that's fine because that's the style. But I'm getting a lot of that hop flavor. It's not being muddled too much by juicy pulpiness to me. I'm actually yeah, enjoying it. It looks like all the hops that they were brought in from the neighborhood are Centennial, and then they got Amarillo's from Crosby. Um, we got Amarillo's from Crosby this year, and they were phenomenal. Uh, I think the hop character in this beer is pretty nice. For um, hazy, especially. Yeah, that's what I'm I, 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 you know, me, me, I want bitterness, but for the style, obviously, it's not going to be there. But I, I really enjoy the hop character on this beer. I think the nose is really fresh. That's not, where I get a lot of the fresh hops in there. Yeah, yeah we're not getting it. It's not overly vegetal, nope. which is nice. But I think that'd be kind of hard to do in a hazy just because of the we were kind of talking a little off air or was it on air? I don't remember. But uh, about yeast strains and stuff and kind of makes hazies a little tricky sometimes. Uh, but this 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 has nice hop character. It's snappier than than most hazy beers. I think that's kind of usually at least when I have a hazy at the end, it kind of. The back end to me leaves it's lacking for me, right? It's just sure. kind of there, and you're like, ah, well, okay, it's a sip of beer. This one is like it gives me that that snappy is a great word, right. the beer flavor that I want in the back end of my palate. A lot of hazies, you know, you're you're getting like so. This has pilsner, two row, flaked wheat, and rolled oats. The flaked wheat and the rolled oats are both unmalted wheats, and that's where the haze comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the original hazies, the you know, the, the, he- houses. the heady toppers mm-hmm. of the world and stuff like that. A lot of that is just full on plant matter. Um, <laughs> a lot of the original Great Notion stuff, like full on, like you would get pollen looking material on the top of your beer and it smelled amazing. <laughs> um, I actually haven't drank those beers in quite a while. Um, I just can't park anywhere near there. <laughs> um, I work next to one of them right. and I never go in there. I don't even, so the, the thing about a lot of these is, so the original yeast strain that like hazy beers came from, like Hetty Topper, mm-hmm. the, the yeast strain is called Conan and everybody has a different name for it. And I don't know if everybody's using the same thing. I feel like most everybody is using London Ale 3, which is like the old school Boddington's yeast. London 3, I know, I know for us, we've used a lot of London 3, but there's some other ones floating around. There's Juice is a new yeast strain. There's, right, that's uh, coming from Imperial, so. Yeah, and there's one that's like uh it's like Olympias, something along those lines. I can't remember Olympus, Olympione. I can't remember something like that. That's been floating around lately too. But yeah, it's, I mostly see London Three, right? And that's. I mean, a lot of people in in Portland, just in general, are using that yeast strain, like Laurelwood, mm-hmm. Opworks. Those are their their house yeast strains. Yeah. Um, and they're oh, just really their house yeast strain. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to say I I went to Hopworks a couple of weeks ago. They're they're going like all hazy. 
their their IPA yeah. line was nine out of ten were hazies, and I was like, oh, this was not the case when I was migration's last year. Migration's doing the same thing. I went to migration on Friday with no, some friends. No, straight out of Portland's great. Straight out of Portland is great. Don't mess with that beer. I love that beer. But they had like nine hazy beers on. Wow, is this out of the out east? Yeah, I haven't been to the out east one yet. They're pretty good. Yeah. All right. So I've been digging their pills. As a hazy pizza. guy, do you like pizza? Oh, yeah, I do like pizza. Yeah, Although I'll, ju- I'll judge yeah, pizza. Mike thinks this. <laughs> you Mike, go right ahead. Mike thinks this town sucks at <laughs> sure. pizza. It might. I've yeah. never been to New York. Have you been to Pizza Corner Pizza? Have you been to Pizza Jerk? Not yet. No, I've heard it's good though. That's the only one that people tell me is like straight up New York, and I've never been to New York. And to be honest with you, I don't like the little pepperoni cups. It makes me because I get that in my beard, and they pull up with grease. Sorry. It's fine. I'll, I'll bleep it out for you. Don't worry. I'm all about that. Uh, I have a potty mouth. <laughs> so do both I'm, of us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about. I'm all about. Yeah, we just happen to work in radio too. So like, we get when a microphone comes in front of us, we get filter on. <laughs> well, me especially. You. <laughs> I had a dream last night Not that so you much. had to hit that. That we had to hit the dumb button three times in a row because of you. Because of me. Yeah, that was a dream though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We've had to hit the dump button twice in a row because of you. That is true. Yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, but as a guy who likes hazies. And you're talking about kind of the old school hazy that had more of the polony stuff at mm-hmm. the top. Do you like, dislike, care the direction that hazies are going? Do you feel like there was kind of a, the craze got so big that maybe there was a bit of kind of a mediocre hazies just being thrown out there to be thrown out there and now it's coming back to being better? How do you view the, the change in that market as a um, guy who likes hazies? I don't know if I like them. I definitely drink them. Um because a lot of my favorite breweries are making them. Truth. So I got to try it. You Truth. know, it's one of those things where you just, you're good breweries are putting them out there and it's my job to, to know whether or not they're terrible. I love, um, I love, I love West coast IPAs. It's a great way to put it. I love West coast IPAs, but I love Von Ebert. So I did not think twice when I ordered a sec sector seven at the last Timbers game I was at. I was like, I know this beer is hazy, right. but I looked at the list and I was like, nothing else is really talking to me. If I'm going to drink a hazy, it might as well be from a boys at Von Ebert, you know? Um, You know, it it really goes back to that evolve or die thing. Like, you got to – Barley Browns, I talked to Tyler, and he was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not making one. And then, like, two weeks later, they had one. I believe there was chatter around our brewery about not making them. Right. And now we package some. Boneyard will not make one because their beers are unfiltered. And they're – you know, Tony was just like – Good. Also Our beer's really good. So I also, cool. think, I also, they also <laughs> have a brand that's big enough they can kind of withstand. Yeah, not there's that, and you know, there's that, and like you know, we've seen it, we've seen it to an extent in some other things, whether it's like Block 15 or a Double Mountain. That you know, that that ownership and head brewmasters can sometimes just be like, you know what, I don't want to because I don't have to, and I'm not going to, and you can't make me. Pretty much, and you're like, oh, okay. That's exactly where it's Block 15. Yeah. You're one of my favorite breweries in the in in the world. Why don't you submit to Oregon <laughs> Beer Awards? Because we don't care. What? Yeah, we don't care. They don't care. Oh, okay. All right. And I mean, that's that, that's that's that kind of fun cavalier mentality yeah. that when you're a name like Boneyard, and I'm not lying, that RPM is probably in seventy percent of dive bars in Portland. Uh, you can do whatever you want. You're killing it. You know, some I would fine. like I would like RPM to be more consistent, but that's just me as a beer snob. The general public doesn't care. They keep drinking it. They love it. They might not it's even notice the difference. It's either. good beer for the record. It's a good beer. But yeah, sometimes when you're just kind of on that level, you can kind of say, "Hey, we do what we want. And we don't ha- we don't have to do anything else." It's exactly where where they're coming from. Yeah, they do. They just do things on their their own accord. And I mean, I respect more power it. to them. As somebody that loves to just stick it to the man, like I'm totally yeah, in. yeah. pay cash for their stuff and I'll, hell yeah, don't have to worry about banks or anything. Hell yeah, awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a weed shop. All right, Shane. Point blank <laughs> distribution. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for, for the beer me. and the beer sure. of the week. Uh, very interesting stuff, and I learned a lot. So thank you. Uh, next week, do we know where we're going next week for our distribution series? Hopefully, I'm going to bring in. Hopefully, I've got um, a uh, supply chain manager from a large brewery in town. Someone who works on basically the person selling beer to Shane. Okay, yeah. So we'll get that so angle. Hopefully, we get it. that angle, and then I'm trying to find another angle of a of a self distribution just to kind of see what that's like. We talked a little bit about that with Eldon. When we did the Berlick mm-hmm. kind of podcast, but I'd really like to dive into a little bit more of the struggles, the advantages, how they see, 
you know, the enemy, like point blank. Not that you're the <laughs> enemy, enemy, but you know, I'm just trying to, hey, I got to stir it up. I, I need, I need clicks. I need yeah. clicks here, all right? <laughs> uh, but tough. yeah, so that's, that'll be coming up the next three weeks yeah, or next so two weeks. We'll have a little three part series on this. Should be very, very interesting for all of you out there to learn about distribution because I think most beer drinkers have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. They're like, oh, my beer's here. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it, I mean, just to, to wrap things up and, you know, I'll let you finish on this. It, it, to a general consumer, especially the grocery shopper, it kind of dictates your life and you don't know it. You know, exactly. that is, when you go to this, when you go to the store and you pick up a $10 six pack, you know, that just, dis, that distributor is, gonna kind of have a lot to say in what they're what what's there for you with those bigger guys yeah like colombian melitas they create sets at grocery stores and it's up to them and mm -hmm. you know that's why that's why the ab supply chain is so coveted you know like Hail song just sign on for that mm, yeah and that's what it's for you know they don't want to go out there and sell beer they want somebody else to do it for them right find us on instagram instagram.com slash beers on us find shane at keg wrangler I remembered it. Patrick's at PDD085, and then you can find me on Twitter. I don't have a personal Instagram. At MikeLynch27 on Twitter. Thank you, Shane. Uh, we will be back next week with another distribution episode for you, and we'll see you then. Traces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.